are listening to North Georgia Business Radio coming to you from the Business Incubator at Brunel University. Now, this is the one show committed to business. We want to learn about the businesses in our community and the people behind them. Now, one of the things I want to talk about today before we get into a really great guest that we have on the show is a topic of communication and why communication is important well within business and in life so i couldn't think of a better person to ask their own resident communication expert dr bill lampton so dr bill talk to me a little bit about communication and business and the importance there both the reason i uh, refer to myself as the biz communication guy and the reason i help businesses and leaders understand how to communicate more effectively and productively is because I spent 20 years in management before I became a consultant. I saw so many communication blunders, mistakes, goofs, oversights, that at the end of that 20 years, I thought somebody needs to do something about this. And by the way, many of those mistakes were my own. (laughs) Well, I'm sure within a business, there's different levels of communication between employees, between superior or the hierarchy, and even between the consumer. So, so can we break that down a little bit? How, how are those different levels important and how, what should we know about that? Well, let's start at the top, for example. And, And it's an old saying, it all starts at the top, but it's true. The manager, the CEO, the supervisor, sets the tone. If they have an open door policy, then that gives people access to come in and share their ideas without fear of reprisal. Also, the management, uh, we came up with this phrase several years ago, management by walking around, the management needs to be highly visible. I've seen organizations where the top management team was almost invisible. They clustered themselves in a boardroom. And my advice to them is get out of that meeting. Go sit in the cafeteria and don't sit together. Sit with somebody who you, you don't even know, you haven't talked with before. So the managerial level needs to be very visible. And then when we get Throughout the organization, one of the factors that I love to work with a group about is the simple matter, but so significant, giving clear instructions. Suppose, Bo, you were reporting to me, and I said to you, hey, Bo, I want you to give me a report on our customer service, and I want it soon. What would you know? (laughs) You wouldn't know very much. Are you talking about internal customer service? Are you talking about the technology we use? Are you talking about the correspondence? Are you talking about the website? All of that. And, okay, what is soon? (laughs) Many people say, give this to me soon. Well, you know, is that uh, this afternoon, two weeks from now, or yesterday? Well, and then you run the risk of unmet expectations. If my idea as soon as this afternoon and yours is maybe sometime next week, right? That's right, which means that the communication needs to be very clear, and this is where listening comes in and two-way conversations. So if you don't understand what I've instructed, you feel very free to say, well, Bill, let me repeat that instruction to see if I got it right, and let me know exactly what you want in detail. That's That saves a lot of malfunctions in the organization. It helps you be more productive. And eventually, you're, you serve your customers better as well. Well, and that brings up another idea. A lot of our, our businesses is actually communicating with our consumer, right? How do we communicate with the consumer? 
I recently uh, was at a training and they were talking about doing the job anymore is not enough. You need to communicate. You need to make sure that the client proactively knows what you're intending to do, what's new this year. And I think that communication with a client is a very important aspect of successful communication. One of the, the factors that I've noticed is that we all are aware of this, that people are reading less and less, and they're more responsive to audio and to video. I talked to two of my longtime mentors this week, Terry Brock and Mike Stewart, and both of them said that they no longer send out newsletters, online newsletters. And so this week I dropped mine. Why? Because people want video messages instead. And so to illustrate further on that, if you want to communicate with your clients on your website, don't just have text. That's uh, It's not outmoded. It's useful. It supplements. But have videos. Uh, have audio. And so look at, the, look at the updated way that people listen and learn. And that's a way to relate to your customers. Well, and you know, one of my favorite parts with all of this is when we can learn something that helps us be better with business, like communicate clearly, manage expectations, make sure expectations are being met. Now, what I love is when we can take that principle and we can say, okay, how does that apply at home? So do you think that's helpful when you're having that conversation with the spouse or the other family members? Especially the listening part there you go. And, and the two-way conversation and understanding what the other person said, yes, or what they meant. Well, Bill, I hope we've communicated this idea clearly, pun intended, but we have a, good, a great guest today that I'm excited to talk about, learn more about what they're doing, and learn about their business. So why don't you introduce them? Delighted to. We have with us Marcus Rock, who's the Director of Business Development at Suncrest Home Health. And one of the things I noticed looking at his LinkedIn site, one of his former associates described him this way, creative, clever, charismatic. Hey, wouldn't, wouldn't you like somebody to say that about you? That's a pretty good description. <laughs> I like it. Marcus, welcome to the Business Communication Show, the North Georgia Business Communication Show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Well, tell us, when did this uh, service of home health become popular and why? Uh, the dates on that would be a little bit uh, fuzzy for me, uh, but I know that um, back in um, the uh, 1980s, it was a service that uh, they had with paper uh, visit. Basically, when patients were discharged out of the hospital, um, the... Um, Nursing would go out and see these patients at home, and then these uh, particular companies would charge uh, Medicare for going out and providing those services. Now, with the paper uh, uh, service on that, they could basically charge anything and everything that they wanted to, and Medicare would pay for it. So if they wanted to buy a car for their employees, they could buy a car. So um, historically, a lot of, um, especially your older physicians, are very familiar with the, uh, the fraud part mm -hmm. that came into play many years ago, which has changed our industry drastically from there. Um, now it's uh, basically we get paid on the type of service that we provide. So if we provide good quality care, then we'll get paid for good quality care. Uh, not so much from a standpoint of how much money, money we spend to get to that point. So, 
What are the range of services that Suncrest Home Health offers? We provide um, anywhere from nursing, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, speech therapy, uh, home health aids. Uh, in addition to that, one of the biggest uh, focuses that we have is being senior advocates for the seniors in our community. So even though that we provide those specific services, since we're in the home with a lot of these individuals, uh, assessing the patient, assessing the, the caregivers, all those who might be involved with the care and the environment itself, uh, we have a lot of resources at our fingertips. So we try to take care of the individuals as a whole. So we may find that there are some resources that they could benefit from that they had no idea about. And so although that we don't, may not necessarily provide those services, we typically know who does. So we try to get them in touch with uh, those resources or we'll try to bring those resources to them. Uh, just depends on how the family wants to really kind of navigate some of that. Well, one of the questions I have dealing a lot with people in retirement and, and aging, really, uh, one of the things that comes up in these conversations when we get really honest and, and kind of dig a little deeper is that a goal would really be to be able to be to not have to go into a facility necessarily if possible and be able to get this care at home. Is that something you're seeing that uh, the services you provide helps people maybe take that step into having to go into assisted living or even nursing care? Um, again, going along back to our, our biggest goal is to provide the highest quality of uh, or give back the, the highest quality of life back to those uh, uh, folks that we're providing services to. Uh, that being the, the point there being so that they can stay at home a whole lot longer, right. which everybody wants to do that versus having to go into the assisted living um, or worse yet into a hospital to try to receive additional services. So our goal is when we go out to, uh, you know, we assess the patients as a whole. Uh, we look at all the different diagnoses uh, that they have, uh, any particular um, physical disabilities that they may have, if they may be a fall risk individual. Uh, if that be in the case, then we'll try to get some physical therapy in there and try to strengthen some of that so that prevent some of those falls. That's one of the leading causes of uh, uh, deaths with uh, geriatrics now is that once they have a fall, they end up in the hospital and then they never come out uh, because their bodies are already uh, taxed and frail as it is. And when they get into the hospital, uh, they're out of their own uh, setting. Uh, they're not as active uh, and they can... Uh, break down a whole lot quicker. So we try to keep them home and safe as much as for as long as we possibly can. Well, one of the messages I really love that you're bringing, Marcus, is I know whether it's an individual out there listening, dealing with some of these, uh, navigating this, or maybe it's a parent, is that there are resources out there. And like you said, um, I even love the idea. It almost sounds like you, you function as a concierge to help people put together a plan to navigate this. That's been my strategy. Even inside of the physician offices where I do a lot of my work uh, in doing, going back to what you were referring to a few minutes ago, communication, without really good communication uh, in this field, we have a, a huge breakdown in service. So uh, making sure that the physicians know what to expect of our services, uh, making sure that they're not over-expecting and making sure that they're not telling the patients uh, something that we can't provide and then getting uh, the their patients frustrated at them and us as well too um, so yes going back in there and just trying to educate them on a lot of the different services uh, even uh, a lot of times we'll get referrals for uh, as an example home care and let me explain a little bit of a difference in that they're small change in words but a, but a big difference in our field there's home health 
and then there's home care. We provide home health, which is the skilled side of the services. Again, the nursing, physical therapy, whereas home care is more of a privately paid service. So when we're in the home, we're in the home intermittently, there to do some education, and we're out. So we may be there anywhere from 30 minutes to, say, maybe two hours, whereas you're, uh, a home, somebody from uh, in home care can be out there at four hours or 24 hours to provide additional um, oversight, you know, help with the family, basically. But they don't necessarily provide an actual skill. Okay, got it. And what's the, the length of your service with, say, a family? Uh, it really ranges from uh, patient to patient. We try to, uh, all of our, our services are really patient-centered. Uh, every, I, as you know, just sitting at this table, we've, with th- the three of us, we've, we're all completely different, all different uh, in, in body makeup and uh, the issues that we have to deal with in life. And so when we go out to a patient's home, we try to approach it that way as well. So it could be somebody um, who has a wound uh, in an area uh, say on their back that they can't really um, reach very well. So we'll be out there to provide some of those services until the wound is um, healed. And that could take anywhere from a week to, uh, you know, six weeks really kind of depends on the acuity of the patient and the different diagnoses that they, that they have. And it could be from somebody who uh, has had a hip or a knee replacement. Um, again, we may be able to provide two weeks of therapy and they are up and gone and they don't necessarily need us anymore. Ultimately, our goal is to help patients become as independent as possible, as quickly as possible. So if we can do it in a shorter amount of time, uh, great. But if we need to take 60 days, 90 days, a year to accomplish some of those goals, then we'll certainly do that as well. It's very clear to me that, that you have a strong commitment and dedication to your company and and to your patients and to this entire field of care. I noticed you were a biology major in college. What prompted you to get into the home health arena? Actually, by default. (laughs) (laughs) Originally, uh, I was actually looking back when pharmaceuticals was really big. I was trying to get into that particular uh, area, and it at that point, and even now, it's still a lot of who Who do you know to try to get into some of that. Um, and eventually, I ended up getting a, um, a position working at uh, a DME company um, at Lincare. Worked with them for a little while, and from there, it just kind of stayed in the industry. Uh, Lincare, DME, what's that? Yeah, durable medical equipment. Okay. So with that, again, we're providing uh, equipment, basically, to a lot of your seniors as well. Uh, from there, then I just uh, transitioned into... Um, naturally into the home health side of it, which is more of a service side of it. Well, a question I had was, how, how are you connected with the people you work with? Um, to try to, I guess, to kind of give you an overall picture of kind of the, uh, let's say, a day-to-day uh, standpoint. So uh, our team, we have a team uh, of clinicians who meet uh, on a weekly basis at our office, who uh, who obviously taking care of all these particular patients. When they meet, I usually come in uh, to listen to all the different kind of stories, obstacles, and struggles that they may be having with their patients. And I'll take that information back to the physician's office and see what we can do to kind of help remove some of those obstacles. And information and uh, working with the physician's team, uh, coming 
taking that information back to our office and communicating it again back with our clinicians. So again, uh, we're, we're providing the best quality of care that we can for those patients. Um, <clears throat> outside of that, again, it's just, uh, it's you know, basically two big different teams coming together and doing a lot of communication and making sure that we're um, uh, achieving the expectations uh, that's out there. Marcus, being a, a business show, we are always interested in people who can teach us something about sales. You have a good reputation as a sales leader, the manager of a sales team. What do you look for when you're selecting somebody for your sales team? What are the qualities that you want? You know, over the years, that's been a little bit of a bumpy road. And as much as I would love to be able to wave a magic wand and say this is, uh, this is the quickest and easiest way to uh, figure out if this is the person that you want to hire, unfortunately, at least to what I haven't found, is it doesn't exist. No magic formula. And so I, uh, it's funny, I'd asked another sales manager at one point in time who, uh, through the different people that he had hired, had a very successful team and consistently had a very successful team. And so it was funny, the response uh, that he gave back to me, he says, I just look for people who operate like me. And so from that, I, I took on that, that uh, philosophy and started looking at folks and uh, seeing if they kind of uh, had the same core values, the same drive and the same passion that I did. Uh, so far, it's worked out pretty good. Can't say that I have 100% success on that, but you know, eighty uh, percent. Um, I'll give me a. I'll give me a B plus on hey. that. You know, so very good. Well, there's a couple of things I, I've noticed in the sales role. Is one makes a big difference when people believe in what you're doing. Correct. And in yep. the mission behind what you do, and then the other, I'm with you that that's. It's almost like a professional athlete or something. You don't really know what they're going to be like until they go out there and try it and do it. And you see them. They could be brilliant. Have all the say all the right things. And you just got to see what happens. Well, and going back to uh, the point that Bill was making as well, through the years I've seen managers manage a sales team behind a desk. I've seen sales managers manage a team out in the field with them. Uh, I typically find uh, a lot better success going back again, as you were saying, you know, different managers uh, sitting at different tables, learning different employees in the company, just being out there with the team, learning them uh, and uh, building relationships. I, I find that even with your own employees and customers, both building those relationships, uh, you, you almost have to earn the right to be heard. And once you've earned that right to be heard, even by management or your peers, they tend to uh, hold a little bit more value in what you say, and they want to implement it a little bit more. Without the relationship, it's uh, unfortunately, or maybe for lack of better words, it's almost like a dictatorship of do this, do that, do this, uh, w without much of an explanation or meat behind it, I guess. Bo, you know, on this program, our guests, we have found out, are not only successful in their corporate life, but they also believe in and contribute to the community. And you and I have noticed Marcus' uh, participation, very active participation in young life. Let us hear about that involvement, Marcus. Uh, one of the greatest things that I learned from Young Life is one of the things that I use in sales now. And that, um, again, I just actually alluded to it a minute ago. When I first got into Young Life, it was uh, very nerve-wracking to go out and hang out with a bunch of kids who didn't care for you to be there. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if I had any advice uh, to, um, or, or wanted them to hang around with them, I mean, it was just a difficult road. As you know, most teenagers, um, uh, they're very, uh, I don't mean this in a negative way, but very self-centered. It's, it's about everything that's going on around them. And right. uh, if you're not part of that club, it's very difficult to get into. So uh, they don't want li- to necessarily listen to their own parents. They're not going to want to listen to you either. So I had a uh, uh, one of the leaders there in that company had uh, made the statement, you have to earn the right to be heard. And taking that, um, I just started hanging out with them and, and just spending time with them. And eventually I learned, earned that right and, and became really good friends with them. Actually, very good friends to a lot of them still today. So with that, I've actually taken that in, uh, that philosophy in, with with my sales aspect to it, going in when I speak to physicians and speaking to their staff and their team, I know that if I, uh, as the old term goes, show up and throw up everything that I know, they're probably not going to listen to me or care, uh, because for them to give us a patient, uh, that, that's obviously you don't want to give patients to somebody that you really don't know, because it's ultimately is going to come back on them. It's a big trust factor. A very big trust factor. And you have to earn that trust. And so I've learned uh, to earn the right to be heard. And as I've done that, then I've been able to plug a little of this and a little of that uh, in there. And it seems to have gone a whole lot further from by doing it that way. Now, that was a great lesson learned from those kids. But I can totally, is, I can yeah. completely see that as... Oh, is this guy just coming around saying he's doing a good thing? Oh, wow, he keeps showing up. Oh, wow, he actually maybe cares. And then all of a sudden you earn the right to be a friend. I love that. And then apply that to business. Well, and, and just in obstacles in itself, uh, your kids are an obstacle. Uh, and being able to not get over the – knock down their walls, um, again, has inspired me and helped me get over the obstacles that I face from a career standpoint as well. Well, you've given, Marcus, you've given us a lot of, of tips of, of things that have been successful with communication, which is funny. That's how we started the show, talking about communication. But any, I love to ask our guests, too, anything else in, in doing business for a while now that you would attribute to, hey, if I had to give one piece of advice or a key to success or whatever that might look like, what might that be for you personally? Stay determined. Stay determined and stay passionate uh, and consistent. That's probably going to be my three biggest tips. If you're consistent, passionate, and determined, uh, you'll be able to go a pretty good ways with that. Success is pretty much inevitable if you have those three things. Pretty good. Well, one thing, as as we kind of are are talking to listeners, and they might be saying, you know what, this might be a a subject on the horizon or something we need to um, be looking into what is it about Suncrest that that people might need to know that we haven't covered yet? Uh, very at the beginning of the show, one thing that I've tried to uh, uh, put out there is our biggest goal being senior advocates. Uh, if, there, if there's if there's any takeaway from this, it would be that that we're out there to be the advocates for our seniors. So even if it's uh, our seniors are in need of um, services that we can't provide, we're not just going to brush them off and wish them well. We're going to go out of our way to make sure that they get all of the resources that they possibly can because we know that um, often, even just from a home health perspective, a lot of patients, uh, they don't know about home health. They don't know that it exists. Um, And so getting out there and getting that information out there to them so that, again, they can have a better quality of life at home and they're not so quick to have to transition into a facility um, or worse yet, a hospice or something of that nature. Well... 
when we're dealing with this, knowledge truly is power. Like you said, having the information, knowing what's available. What would be a good step for somebody that might just need to research or take another step or even reach out to you? Is it a telephone call, a website? What would you say? Um, yeah, you could look up um, uh, Suncrest Home Health. Uh, we're our parent company that owns us. is called LHC Group. Uh, they have a lot of great, you know, our mission statements are there um, and what, what it is that we're trying to achieve. Um, and a lot about home health and just how home health in general can help patients. Uh, it, so if they have the opportunity to even just Google home health, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of information out there that can help them make some of those decisions. It occurred to me sitting between you two that in many ways you have a similar mission in that, Bo, you want to catch people at a time early enough in life to get their attention to be financially secure in later years. And Marcus, you are looking to alert people to the fact that time does pass by and that the health you have at 40 or 45 or 50 is not guaranteed later on your parents' health is not guaranteed. Your grandparents' health is not guaranteed. And you may need some other resources. So as I sit here between the two of you, I think of what a great service you're doing. I almost think of Paul Revere <laughs> sounding the alarm. Wake up, folks. Listen. Uh, things can happen to you later on that you're not prepared for now, and we will help you prepare for them do i have your mission right i believe so well and another thing that both of the missions we we work in that's changed the game of why the planning and the strategy and these services are are even more the longevity the reality of you know a generation back and two generations back people weren't making it much into their 60s now it's very real i I do a talk that um, we talk about a couple in their mid-60s now there's a 25 percent chance one of them lived like 97 that's a long time to be alive. Uh, it's interesting when I when I first uh, started getting into this uh, field, the uh, our, our clientele is basically your Medicare uh, aged patients, sixty five and older. That's who we kind of target. And um, when I first started this, for us to get referrals, uh, we were getting referrals on sixty five year old individuals, uh, and they appeared to be in really rough shape at sixty five. Now we'll get those same kind of referrals, but it's on uh, individuals who are 80 or 85 or even 90, and uh, we have some that's uh, even been 100 years old. It's almost as if the uh, 65 is the new 45 to some degree. Right. And so it's amazing how that's been pushed back just through the advances of science and, uh, again, all the dip, having all those additional resources so that uh, patients can make uh, good choices. Well, Marcus... On behalf of all of us here, I want to say thank you for being a resource in the community for this very important demographic. I appreciate the work you do. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Fabulous to have you with us. Very much so. Very informative. All right. I'm going to sign off for this episode. Had another great business, another great guest. Talk some about communication. Dr. Bill, appreciate you being with me. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place, right here on North Georgia Business Radio. (laughs) 